What is up, everyone? It is me, Albert, and welcome to the Bioshock Podcast, Episode 1. So the podcast was officially born on the 5th of October 2019, in earnest. I had previously posted to the Bioshock Reddit community to gauge their thoughts and interest. There was a really great response. I had some stuff come up between that time and today, but that's all in the past now. Everything is clear, and if I may use a pretty daggy segue, you could say clear skies ahead, no clouds, although now there are clouds. This is getting really laborious. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that there is now a new studio created by 2K called Cloud Chamber. So I actually, I'm still in a bit of a dreamlike state about the, all this. I woke up this morning to this triple whammy news as far as I'm concerned, because the number one aspect for this, for, uh, for me, is uh, is Kelly. Right, so I'm just going to read the press release and uh, if you don't know who Kelly is you soon will this is Kelly Gilmore uh, who is leading Cloud Factory uh, or rather Cloud Chamber so here we go 2K's new Cloud Chamber studio developing the next Bioshock the studio to re-establish team across two locations Novato California and Montreal Quebec December 9 2019 in New York 2K today announced the founding of Clown Chamber Clown Chamber <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's start again. This is no Joker vibes, although that was a terrific film. Right, 2K Today announced that the founding of Cloud Chamber, the newest wholly owned game development studio under the company's publishing label, a collective of storytellers eager to push the front lines of interactive entertainment by making unique, entertaining, and thoughtful experiences that engage the world. Cloud Chamber will build its team at two locations, 2K's San Francisco Bay Area headquarters in Novato, California, as well as in Montreal, Quebec, which marks the first ever Canadian office for a 2K studio. In addition, 2K announced that Cloud Chamber has started to work on the next iteration of the globally acclaimed Bioshock franchise, which will be in development for the next several years. Note how they said next several years, not even next few years, so it's going to be quite a while. And um, my, my my immediate thought was uh, two th 2027, right, to, to coincide with the uh, 20th anniversary, I suppose that would be. Yeah, because, you know, 2007 was when the first one came out. That's a bit far. You know, several, there's the word seven in there. But uh, let's, uh, maybe instead of the 20th, maybe the 15th anniversary, something like that could happen. So, but we'll see. As we continue growing our product portfolio, we remain inspired by opportunities to invest further in our valuable IP. Great people and their collective long-term potential, said David Ismailer, president of 2K. Bioshock is one of the most beloved, critically praised and highest rated franchises of the last console generation. We can't wait to see where its powerful narrative and iconic first-person shooter gameplay head in the future, with our new studio team at Cloud Chamber leading the charge. A 22-year industry veteran with more than 40 games shipped to date, Kelly Gilmore will serve as Cloud Chamber's global studio head, 
and be the first woman in 2K history to lead a development studio. Her wealth of experience transcends executive production, marketing direction, and public relations management, including nearly two decades of service to another of 2K's wholly owned studios, Firaxis Games, on franchises such as Sid Meier's Civilization and XCOM. Her role is based in Novato, so she'll be California-based. This is her speaking about the news. We founded Cloud Chamber to create yet-to-be-discovered worlds and their stories within that push the boundaries of what is possible in the video game medium, said Kelly Gilmore, Global Studio Head, Cloud Chamber. Our team believes in the beauty and strength of diversity in both the makeup of the studio and the nature of its thinking. We are a deeply experienced group of game makers, including many responsible for Bioshock's principal creation, advancement, and long-standing notoriety. And honored to be a part of the 2K family as stewards of this iconic franchise. Gilmore has tapped Ken Schachter to be Cloud Chamber's studio manager in Montreal. An executive with extensive experience in development, production, technology, and creative roles, Shakta will also be an ambassador for both the studio and 2K in establishing a significant company presence in Montreal. Prior to joining 2K, Shakta served as general manager for Zynga in Toronto, as well as founded independent game developer and publisher Trapdoor. He has also held notable positions with companies such as Gameloft, Autodesk, and more. Cloud Chamber's decision to open a new office in Montreal was supported by the Government du Québec and Montreal International. Cloud Chamber will join the company's family of wholly owned developer. Excuse me, I'll take that again. Cloud Chamber will join the company's family of wholly owned development teams, including Visual Concepts, Firaxis Games, Hangar 13, Cat Daddy Games, and 2K Silicon Valley. Those interested in pursuing career opportunities with the new studio may visit the Cloud Chamber website or 2K Careers for more information. Well, 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 well. I hope today has been, uh, you know, just that, that I know that I'm not alone out there. Um, I know that I'm not alone in, in this, but it feels really surreal to be reading about um, not just uh, Bioshock 4 being officially confirmed in a press statement, but the the pure awesomeness that is Kelly Gilmore leading this uh, project, um, being the studio head, right? Now, with that she's not the game director as far as we know. Uh, I believe Ken Levine was, as well as being the CFO, or sorry, the CEO, he was also the game director for, for Infinite. So that's that, that very well might be the case. It didn't, I didn't see anything on the creative side with her, but all that I all that I want to say is that I've always been a proponent and in in a non-white nighty way like I genuinely think women make the best leaders they just have this innate sensibility to them where they're really great at keeping tabs on multiple things at once which is what an organization is and just I am a massive advocate for that so right off the bat that's brilliant um I love America I love Canada I love that they're both involved in this that's fantastic um and I love that a whole other studio has been created for it and Cloud Chamber sounds perfect. It's such a great name, and I really love the logo. It really reminds me of the of the movie Mirror Mask. I don't know if uh, uh, folks listening has um, ha have heard of that, but it's a Henson movie. So 
and please check it out. It's one of their lesser known ones, but it's kind of Narnia-esque in, in, in that way. Um, but anyway, so a bit of background on me, I suppose, uh, what, before we dive into the news, so you can, uh, you know, get an idea of the context of me uh, in the context of Bioshock. So all the contexts will now align. Well, so for me, uh, I first came into awareness of Bioshock pretty much when it was out on demo. Um, 2006 was when I remember, I think I was starting to make my way into the army way back in the day I was aware of this game that was coming out and um I don't know I think I remember um uh, you know playing a snake eater uh, a demo of snake eater or seeing a game trailer of snake eater on like a video game demo disc and then I saw BioShock and I remember playing that trailer a couple of times and just being really impressed by um just the otherness of it like it felt like a it was a first person shooter but it felt just uh, entirely different and i think that that's the hallmark really of um of bioshock uh it is to this date i think the first apart from i think the very first halo in like 2002 or 2001 or something is the very first uh, uh or one of the very few first person shooters that i actually played because i really think speaking of the word played i think that first person shooters are truly like kind of like if you're not careful it can really feel played out because they're there's they're just really pumped out at such a fast rate and so it's almost like an additional uphill battle to to make that genre compelling um and and really stand out and, and ken levine did that just peerlessly almost effortlessly really because uh he infused this medium um and the genre in particular with uh such a and, and he downplays this because he's just a humble person but such a philosophically uh rich premise and um a, a metatextual premise and fourth wall breaking premise or, or aspects rather and um he sort of just did this as a matter of course because he didn't really have it in him to make a boring game like he he himself knows that people are going to play this and i love that the that when I, I love when a creator really puts themselves in the audience's shoes and really has a care for putting out a product that they themselves would want to experience uh and um and that they would want to be proud to say yep i, I stood by this and i created this and uh that's why we remember bioshock um more than we remember insert whatever not not disparaging the team they work really hard but it's just about what you focus your efforts towards and i was about to say basically like call of duty right so uh and also and because those are just pumped out so regularly uh it can really feel like and you just get lost uh and it just sort of dilutes it so bioshock is really like the premier first person shooter experience um where there's a, a number of years between installments and each time it is this really brilliant obviously rooted in dystopia uh, brilliant stories with such amazing worthwhile concepts and where the first person aspect is really tapped into for, for narrative reasons and uh, cons you know um, and world building right so it's really it's it's not just a, um, oh like because it is it's an easy thing to do like first person shooters are really easy to to um, well I'm not a game maker but my understanding is it's like yeah, well basically it's, it's a matter of deducing so there's such a such a, a concentration of them out there that just even from an outsider's perspective you would assume that uh it is one of because you, you you're not modeling really if you're thinking about it like there's a lot of animation you're not doing with first person because it's just first person you, you you animate some hands in front of you or some animations in front of you but it's so much easier because um there's just less work to do right um because you're not making a full uh, unless you're you're right up there with those uh, studios that like to 
create the full skeleton and the full mesh and the full uh you know rig so to speak um of the protagonist uh you can really get away with just that so it's very accessible is, is my assumption at least i hope i'm not too out on a limb with that statement um and so so it really really has to be on the story itself to shine and the mechanics to shine and and i mean i'll, I'll be honest like for me it's it's almost like 95.9 percent story with me um and that's why the last first person experience that i had was bioshock infinite and now i have to start, i have to talk about bioshock infinite because it's one of my favorite games of all time and um and as you probably just assumed there it's like okay so and and did you play it it's like no i didn't actually initially i just came into awareness of it i, I found the art direction very interesting the plasmids very interesting and i came away with this sense of wow that that's just a that's just cool um I, i'm so happy that that uh you know there's a studio out there doing something different and i will say no no fps uh out there equals uh, bioshock in terms of um world uniqueness and uh, you know i mean if 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 we were talking oscars then you know production design art direction no other series ca can hold a candle um to bioshock so it really is like firing in all sinister cylinders you know uh in terms of all the boxes that an fps uh could tick right so it just it is the leader of the pack on so many levels um and in addition to that it's like yeah it, it leads the pack on uniqueness as well because even even if halo titles are a bit spaced out they, they're sort of creeping towards the call of duty thing of just being so similar between themselves and one thing you can say about the bioshock games um and let's be honest it is basically two because you have rapture and you have columbia so far right because there was sequels in that one and unless they're planning on doing a sequel in um in the you know infinite universe right uh which is interesting because um you know levine made infinite in a way where it felt like the be all end all uh sort of slamming of the door shut essentially of um uh well it, from from a certain point of view of the premise of, of bioshock because there was that again spoilers for a five plus year old game but at the end uh with the multiple lighthouses is what i'm going to be talking about and uh, elizabeth um yeah she sort of alludes that there's infinite 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 infinities and it sort of taps and really uh recalls why the game was called that right so and from a certain point of view you could see that as a as a, almost like a jaded way of like because and you know because you go back to rapture in that game and there's a sense that oh, well it's inescapable must go back and maybe it, it sort of is a commentary on how ken levine himself was sort of struggling to make a a game that differentiated itself and i wonder if the rapture aspect at the end was included um at take two's request or something uh or 2k's sorry uh 2k's request of like come on it's a bioshock game we need to have rapture in there and then so he included it but almost in a defeatist way uh, but then he fed uh, that defeatist defeatistness into the narrative by uh you know infusing what elizabeth was saying with that sense of like that's it it's inescapable there's you know there's always another lighthouse kind of thing so you could see it from that point of view and you could call it a closed book however the opposite end of that is the infinity aspect and i really really think that in a in a very important meta way we need to be exploring the um uh, dystopia subject matter um extremely important nowadays where we where we are are very much heading towards it in many ways i often i think the, the regularity with which i invoke um uh, george orwell's name 
nowadays is it's it's almost like 2.5 times a day it's just when when i'm talking about the orwell the slow the the, the boiling frog <laughs> metaphor like we're just having all of these things this this intrusion of um uh, you know uh, the all-seeing eye into our lives right um and the crowd following and algorithms it, it's just very and, and the replacing of history and, and rewriting of history it's just extremely dangerous and but 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 we need to be in that really we, and our like 1984 destroyed me i read it for the first time this year truly destroyed me because of how effective it is and it is probably the most worthwhile example of art that i've ever experienced like truly that it that it that it affects the human race human race sorry uh, sometimes the australian will just slip in there rice the human rice i am australian but i never really absorbed the accent even though i've been here for over 27 years so there you go also yeah hi i'm albert i'm australian and my main avenue into bioshock is via infinite where i really jumped on board got the songbird edition um the art book uh, I was head over heels and still am head over heels for that particular universe. Um, we have a singer here from camp, from, sorry, from from Australia called C.W. Stone King. Um, he physically looks like uh, someone from the sort of Columbia era, right? I think it's 19, 19, 1918 or something. He just weirdly looks like this strange. Uh, just I don't know if it was a, it was a physiology thing back in the day, but he resembles. Um, just he just looks like he's from. He stepped out of one of those black and white photographs from back then and he has a song called uh handyman blues and this was coming out uh, this came out and i came into awareness of it or rather started really re repeatedly listening to it while i was learning about the handyman and uh, he his head actually looks like it could be one of the handyman's heads it just has this very particular 1920s kind of look to it or 1910s look to it um great guy he actually came to canberra and uh, didn't i didn't go in it into all that stuff about Bioshock but it was great to meet him and I definitely recommend his music definitely definitely fits in with the the Bioshock vibe but um so now uh the doors have been blown open um we need to talk about Wizard of Oz we need to talk about Alice in Wonderland we need to talk about uh, all of these uh uh touchstones um which are it's just purely creatively fertile we need to talk about Logan's Run Right, and the reason I, I mentioned those ones is that uh, I don't know if there was like a a forum post back in the day, but um, someone uh, spoke about uh, something set in the jungle, and like the the songbird equivalent would be this giant creature called the Cheshire. I don't know if that was like a rumor or someone wrote a very colorful post. Um, Wizard of Oz, because um, you know Emerald City has a really interesting look to it, and we need to think about the the common elements of what makes a Bioshock a Bioshock. Um, it would be a city of some kind. And it would be a dystopian angle and it would be strange creatures or strange, um, you know, mo genetically modified adversaries of some kind. Right. So and that's the big daddies in the first one and the, the songbird. Right. So it has this really interesting um, aspect to it, which really actually it makes uh, it really enlivens the, the dystopia, uh, the dystopic. Um, genre so much and that's why for me it's the be-all end-all dystopian storytelling mechanism now we have uh, some works that have happened since uh, infinite came out like man in the high castle stuff like this uh, you know reimagine histories but there's literally this story which is one of the most important stories which is the story of human human liberation uh, from dystopia um, that 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 needs to be told in literally all the context this could be a prehistoric uh, you know you know set in like I don't know incorporating you know dinosaurs or or gargoyles or or what have you so it's um 
tremendously exciting tremendously exciting indeed so i'm just i'm just uh, keeping track of my app i think okay cool it's letting me record past 20 minutes awesome so yeah you've got a, a couple of ideas there of my speculations um uh i want to actually take your pictures so please go to anchor.fm forward slash bioshock forward slash message and i want to take everyone's possible pictures to go as in detail as you like about um what particular uh dystopian kind of setup you'd like to see in bioshock 4 we have a lot of time to build up to this uh lots of upcoming um, i think there's going to be at least two e3s where uh we'll be able to see possible teasers get news there's nothing quite like the ramp up uh to the release of a project i just came off of 70 episodes of the death stranding podcast what a wild ride it was um, looking forward to speaking with some of the cast members of that one i've got uh, Tommy Earl Jenkins, who played Die Hard Man, coming on the show in February. I've got um, Kyle Card, who played the driver, uh, should be in the next few weeks for that one. And then also Darren Jacobs, who uh, played Hartman, who agreed to appear on the show um, and uh, give us, hopefully, his uh, like. If uh, you can get that if you're a Death Stranding person, a little reference there. But um, so. Um, so that, that that's uh, the first thing that that comes to mind is just this explosion really of, of ideas of what could happen um but that's the common elements for a bioshock for me uh for the rest i would love for this podcast to be a, com a community that, that begins to build people sharing their bioshock stories their bioshock tattoos bioshock short films um essays theses uh, i really want to hear from people who have used bioshock in their academic pursuits um including you know uh, using the material to yeah you know thesis or or speeches or or what have you bioshock themed weddings <laughs> uh bioshock themed decor uh anything that this amazingly distinctive uh universe um has um catalyzed people to do and again i want to also hear my sort of community question to you is what do you think it is about bioshock which makes it enduring my personal thing about uh the um constantly evergreen extremely renewably uh relevant aspect of the dystopian fiction the the the, the cautionary tale right um so cautionary tale mixed with amazing imaginativeness uh that's a huge part of it for me i mean i'm thinking v for vendetta thinking 1984 thinking watchmen um thinking even are we happy few to some extent um so you know like and what do you think of these common elements and, and how um you know, and and another thing I'll I'll talk about on another episode is uh, Bioshock's influences, and uh, we'll inevitably inevitably dive into some of the Gore Verbinski stuff and talking about the other avenues in which Bioshock can, um, you know, uh, be developed and grown into different media. I for one would love a prequels uh, a prequel animation series uh, about, um, or even live action. Sure, I think it would actually work. Get some of the Black Mirror people, a, a, a bastion of dystopian fiction uh in the contemporary sense uh black mirror get some of those folks um on board with um with a series of some kind that sort of had that black mirror production value and then also jonathan nolan has mentioned bioshock as one of the huge uh um sort of motivating influences for westworld alongside uh i think he also said skyrim was was in there and, and gta and obviously red dead is a given but um so yeah now i have another one that i want to talk about i thought about this sort of in the day's doings um third person option i think that's almost compulsory for me personally because uh you know red dead did it so beautifully where you can play the whole thing in first person i think it would be an amazing i think uh, i've i've long said that uh 
well, this is a different thing. And, you know, I, I think Destiny should step the hell away and do a spin-off where it's just an entirely, you know, Mass Effect-esque, just RPG, like straight up just quit teasing, you know what I mean? Like adding these little garnishes of, of RPG-ness to the essentially a, a pretty sort of standard uh, first, I mean, again, it's, a, it's a, standard has two words, uh, two meanings. Standards can mean like the standard, but then standard also has that meaning of average. For me, Destiny literally has two. Like it's it sort of is both because um, it it is both really. Uh, I played it for a while and it's just really solid and just still just vanilla for me. So that's its own thing that I believe really needs to be fulfilled and really should be. I think I'm I still always have uh, like not off not a leg. I used to have a leg, but I have maybe like a couple of toes still in that world, just sort of waiting to see if there's any activity that uh of of that kind of level of taking that bold leap towards something which it really hints at and for me bioshock especially infinite made me want to just jump in especially you know booker dewitt has such a great uh, character design it would have been great to see more of him just uh in that third person sense you know imagine if you're able to uh just zoom back out and just have that sort of um you know fallout slash uh elder scrolls experience right where where you can just or or you know Arthur Morgan like do that spin around and then back into first person third person how are we going to introduce open world for example uh, and leveraging the the next generation's uh, uh, capabilities for making enormous enormous worlds you know we can go much much bigger than Columbia much much bigger than um, uh, than Rapture for sure so uh, perhaps this will be indeed like the first truly fully open world Bioshock game so so many directions we could go in um, coming up to 25 minutes I, I want to keep this one kind of brief and just sort of again dip uh, dip our dip one toe into the oceans one toe into the sky I don't know how that worked anyway because I always have to acknowledge both sides of Bioshock a lot of the time people try to kind of mostly edge towards the the rapture for me i'm i'm in i'm almost entirely in in the infinity versa or the infinite verse rather i just love bioshock infinite i, I do love the original as well and, and two you know um minerva's den and all that i still have to dive into that but so yeah it is it is a testament because i am just so not a first person shooter person like at all it's a true testament of the power of a genre um being able to be transcended by something that is so high quality again there's that adage when it is so high quality it transcends its genre that's why things like star wars which was you know uh fantasy sci-fi breached into the into the sort of um public sphere boom it was because it was done so well didn't matter the genre it broke through that just like halloween you know with horror so many things where it's like yeah it, it's a it's genre but because of how well it was done it bursts into that common uh, standard that humans can just recognize of any walk of life they can just recognize that quality and, and Bioshock has certainly done the same the very fact that you know Gorfabinski was on board and actually did some prep for the movie and I th I still think that's just like the um, um, uh, the itch director what's his name Muschietti with the Shadow of the Colossus film that we haven't heard the last of that yet and I also do the Fumito Ueda podcast looking forward to um, reporting hopefully in a couple of days we'll um, in a week or so, we'll be able to see a glimpse of his new title there. But um, but that's all part of uh, one of the many, many podcasts I do while between making abstract art and uh, I really look seriously again, Bioshock um, uh, messages. Please send them to me anchor.fm forward slash Bioshock forward slash message. You can record straight to browser with Anchor FM, also anchor.fm 
um, sends the podcast basically everywhere. So uh, it'll start coming online on all the uh, different podcasting apps in the next few weeks. So please look forward to that. Anyway, it has been so good to very uh, quickly introduce myself, get some of the hype out of my system so I don't explode. It's so wonderful to meet all of you and to, uh, uh, yeah, to be playing on all your respective devices in your lives. I hope you're having a lovely, lovely day and um, looking forward to speaking with you. Uh, you know, just chime in on any of the outlets. Look, we have Bioshock podcast basically everywhere, so uh, you can find us pretty easily on the Twitter and, and, and Instagram. Um, take care, everyone, and until next time. Would you kindly have a wonderful day?